Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Okay, so honest confession, my voice gets really high and I start talking really fast when I get excited. And you'll notice in today's podcast, friend, that I am very excited to talk to today's guest. She is super fun and a delight. And it's true. I have been following her on social media, secretly hoping she'd be my friend (laughs) for some time. So it was a joy to share a joy-filled conversation with her today. I don't know if you've noticed in listening to the podcast lately, but This month, we were talking about joy and laughter and joy and laughter in overwhelming times, which right now can feel that way. And it seems to me, having actually had all these conversations, that, um, you know, there's a real theme of identity. Um, And it's interesting that when I'm talking with guests about finding joy and laughter throughout hard days, especially, identity keeps coming up again and again. And today's episode is no exception. And I think you're going to really enjoy it, especially if you've ever struggled or if you still do struggle with wondering why you've been created a certain way. This is a good conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and I'm so glad that you're listening today. You know what, friends? We've been talking about joy and laughter a little bit on the podcast this month, this month of July. And I have to say, it's extra special for me to be having these interviews and conversations after such a heavy couple of months. And um, I'm super excited to be interviewing and chatting with a a woman that I just wish was my friend more. I've been kind of stalking her online a little bit (laughs) for a couple of years because I just think she's awesome. And one way to get to know people is to invite them as your podcast guest. So I'm just excited for myself that today we get to have a conversation because she's just a sweetheart. Um, Our guest today is a pastor's wife and mom. She loves vintage style and her family. She loves to smile, giggle, and laugh, and I can't wait for our discussion. So please welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast, Crystal Wall. Crystal, welcome. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. 
I'm so excited you're here. You know, our it's funny how we know each other because um, my in-laws live in North Dakota. In fact, my husband's whole family lives in North Dakota. And a few years ago, they told us they got a new pastor. And I remember going to their church, which is a little church in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And here is this... Um, such a dynamic preacher and his beautiful wife and uh, their adorable energetic son and it was just so much fun to um, just a couple times that we got to hear JD preach and see you play the piano and all that Um, just a joy but I did not realize how funny you were (laughs) until um, (laughs) until I became your friend on Facebook and um you actually ended up leaving North Dakota. And I remember you sharing a story about a fish. Um, and it was just hilarious. And I, I don't even remember what that was. What Do you remember that story? Oh, yes. I can't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> what what happened? Would you, would you mind telling people? So they just know a little bit more about who you are. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, we were, we were moving to Indiana and... Uh, our family grew uh, by one fish uh, right before we moved. A neighbor had given this fish to us. Uh, its name was Xander, and we ended up changing its name to Flo. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a girl. It was a boy. Oh, <laughs> so we named it Flo. Okay. And uh, so Xander Flo uh, was a. Uh, very special member of our family. And so we made this trip from Grand Forks, North Dakota to Pendleton, Indiana. Uh, It took us a few days. We had a U-Haul that my husband drove that had just about everything. And then we had our car that was, uh, no pun intended, packed to the gills. And (laughs) (laughs) we had uh, two dogs, uh, my son, myself, and a fish in this car. And so, you know, we had to make several stops. You know, we go stop to eat because you really can't go through a drive through with a U-Haul. And uh, everywhere we went, this fish went with us. Uh, we'd roll the windows down, let the dogs, you know, stay in the car. And I'd take this fish to keep him safe. And, you know, it was weird and awkward sitting at these tables in these restaurants with this fish in a fishbowl at the table. You know, I was like worried that the waitress was going to think I was going to ask them to fry it up for me. <laughs> but it was just this little beta fish and so we're almost um we're almost to indiana and we stop at a gas station and so my husband would take my son into the gas station to pick a snack and so he was having troubles deciding so i jumped out of the car real quick to help him decide and so i took this this fish who i have kept with me like a little baby um (laughs) i wedged him in the console between the gear shift and the change in, in, (laughs) and if you have kids or you're a college student, you know that there's always like French fries and (laughs) crumbs and things sitting in the change section. You know, that's just where my kid was. And, um, so I run into the store for a second to help him decide. I run back to the car and when I open the door, there is this empty container sitting in my seat and my dogs are looking at me and they're wagging their tails and like just so <laughs> proud of themselves and there's an empty fish bowl oh, I'm no. horrified 
that my dogs have eaten this fish and drank all the water. They had ripped the lid off. I mean, this, this bull is in pieces in my seat and I'm horrified. Like I'm thinking this is terrible. How do I explain to my child that our dogs have eaten a beloved family pet? <laughs> and I, I mean, it was just horrible. Well, then I got to thinking maybe they didn't eat the fish and they just got thirsty. <laughs> And they drank the water. So I'm digging around the car and I find this fish flopping in the change drawer, like the change <laughs> section of the car. So I scoop him up and I plop him. I mean, it wasn't just like fed him down gently. He plopped into this bowl that was just in pieces. So I'm oh, running no. into this gas station, just like, and my husband's going, what are you doing? I'm like, the fish, the fish. <laughs> I'm screaming at this gas station, the fish. So I run to the restroom and I'm trying my best to get this water in the bowl. And I thought, I'm good. This fish is dead. I mean, there's no bringing him back. And I'm just praying, Lord Jesus, please let this fish not die. And I'm pouring water in this <laughs> container. I'm holding the container together. And the people at the register were like taping it up. And I had some of these conditioning drops. I don't know a lot about fish, but I had some behind my seat and I poured those in the bowl and wouldn't you know <laughs> that fish lived <laughs> in a bowl of French fry water. I mean, it was, it was terrible, but that fish lived and you know, <laughs> oh, it was probably the most adventurous, exciting thing that happened to us on that trip that my dogs drank the fish water and just they didn't care about anybody but themselves they just drank that fish water and left that poor fish to die um the, <laughs> I never dreamed that 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 would happen I mean I was only in there for a second and they just they took the first chance that they had and uh even uh <laughs> the next stop that we made I took the fish with me and then I found that my dogs got into the fish food um so there was like orange all over my back seats all over the dogs so it, it was just a very interesting trip <laughs> wow so the the fish made it all the way to indiana it Vander did Flo. yes and is it still alive today or no he passed away about one month after we lived here oh <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I, he was fine and then the next morning I came in and he was just gone and um you know I thought you're gonna survive all that and die now like why <laughs> well at least you know it wasn't because of the dogs probably <laughs> just all the trauma yeah it died of a broken heart maybe I don't know. <laughs> but did you did you always know that you were good at telling stories? Because I since then I've obviously been <laughs> following you on social media, and you're funny, and the way that you tell stories is very compelling and lighthearted, and there's always a great joy at the end in some capacity. So, um, or hope, is that something that you've been good at your whole life, or is it something that uh, has come as you get older and as you're a mom? What what would you say to that? <laughs> well, um, I want to say I never really thought of myself as a good storyteller. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, I embellished the truth <laughs> until uh, and it was to me, it was a great way to make friends. But then I found as I got older, there was no need to embellish 
embellish. <laughs> My <laughs> life is just really interesting enough on its own. Um, I found that I'm extremely awkward. And when I learned to embrace that, um, it just, it became easier. Uh, it, it was very refreshing to know, because uh, I was so unsure of myself early on in my life. Mm. So it was refreshing to know that when I stopped embellishing, stopped, you know, trying to, uh, I guess, be more interesting, I was interesting enough on my own. <laughs> and uh, it was it was refreshing to know that people uh, loved me, even though I'm as awkward as they come, um, that, that they love me just because of who I am, just the way that I am. Mm. So um, that means a lot. Never thought of myself as a good storyteller. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> do you hear that a lot now though now that you've embraced who you are um I don't know I don't think so I've not heard that a lot um yeah. but I talk a lot <laughs> so <laughs> they might not have a chance to say anything do you do you have a blog because I seem to remember that you had one at some point but I don't know if you still do is that something you do I do have a blog um it's called the awkward pastor's wife because I got to the point where um it was just things were just so funny uh that were happening to me that I had to write it down I was starting to forget and some of it is just unbelievable (laughs) and I've had to really get real and and a lot of that what that blog has to do with is embracing who you are and who God made you to be um for so much of my life I tried to be something that I felt I was expected to be. I was always trying to be, um, well, I, I always wanted to be like my pastor's wife because she, she was so um, just elegant and poised and knew what to say and had the perfect vocabulary and air about her. She was just such a graceful person and I wanted to be like her. And here I am choking on air and tripping over my own feet. And, you know, so it was, and for the longest time I tried to be something that I'm not. Um, and so for the longest time, I just prayed, God, please help me to be more quiet. Help me to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> to not say things and I, you know, that are embarrassing. Help me to not embarrass myself today. And um, as I've gotten older and started to embrace who God created me to be, uh, it's been a much more enjoyable ride. <laughs> yeah. What, was there a catalyst that made you decide, man, I'm tired of trying to be like everybody else? Was there something you could point back to that made you have that moment where you're like, uh, this isn't worth it anymore. It's too hard. Yes. Yes, there, there was, um, actually, and it's, I won't drop any names, um, that I remember when we first became, uh, went into pastoring, uh, I was really hard on myself. Because I I felt like I had to be a certain way, that there was this cookie cutter way that a pastor's wife had to be. Um, and so that was, uh, at that point, it was just very stressful for me. I was really hard on myself. I felt like I had to be a certain way. I had to look, a, dress a certain way. I had to speak a certain way. Um, everyone, all the other pastor's wife, they, they look like they had it all together. And my ducks mm-hmm. were all over the pond. So <laughs> I'm over here just like, help me, Lord. And one day I just, the Lord spoke to me in only the way that he can speak to you. And um, he knows exactly what your heart is. And so he just said, you know, I didn't call so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so to this church at this time for such a time as this. I called Crystal Um, because I was comparing myself to other young pastor's wives and older pastor's wives. And um, 
and the Lord just, he spoke to me and he said, no, I didn't call them. I called you. You are who I ordered for this position right now. And that really changed my perspective. Um, instead of trying to be like this pastor's wife or that pastor's wife, I started trying to be like me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of women uh, who are in ministry or their husbands are in ministry. And what you just shared is a very common thing. Um, which I imagine might be part of your heart in, in doing the awkward uh, pastor's wife <laughs> blog, right? Uh, that, that idea of, yeah, me too. I've been through that too. Um, and one of my best friends is a pastor's wife. And uh, it's funny because we've had some of these same conversations. Do you feel like that pressure was something that you alone put on yourself? Or was it a combination of maybe expectations that other people had as well? You know, I kind of feel now that I've been in this for a while, um, I feel like a lot of that was self-projected. I don't think, I mean, there is that, and we're, I think we're phasing out of that place where it used to be pastor's wife was expected to be this way. Um, You know, now people are understanding that we are people. (laughs) with, with difficulties and struggles and trials. And, um, you know, there are still some that don't realize that their pastor's wife is human, (laughs) but, uh, I think a lot of that, the majority of it was Um, Mm self-projected. Um, I saw what I thought it was to be a pastor's wife and I tried to fit that cookie cutter mold and it just (laughs) didn't, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So, um, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> uh, I wanted to be a singer. Uh, and, um, and so, but I, I get to lead worship <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> you know, not all the time, uh, but I do, yeah. I get to sing in church and that kind of thing. But when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a singer. <laughs> yeah. And, and you became a pastor's wife because mm-hmm. uh, you fell in love with a, a very nice man. How did you and JD meet? Uh, that is a funny question because uh, when we were dating, someone asked us that and we just looked at each other because I felt like the worst girlfriend at the time because I thought, I don't know when I met him and he looked at me and then I didn't feel as bad because he couldn't figure it out. And um, we've just kind of always known each other. I know that sounds strange, but I think as teenagers, a friend of ours introduced us at church camp and um <laughs> later on, uh, my, my father, uh, remarried, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, he remarried. My mother passed away when I was 13 and my dad remarried. And when he did, it was just time for a change. So we went to a new church and for the longest time, I did not realize that his dad was my pastor. And, um, so that was, <laughs> that was surprising. Mm. He came to preach for his dad and I was like, what's he doing here? And they're like, oh, this is his dad. <laughs> so, uh, but we met, I would say we met at church camp. Uh, we were introduced by a friend. Mm. You said your mom passed away when you were yes. 13. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, do you think that, uh, losing your mom at that, like such a, I mean, 13 is a really hard age for a young girl. Do you feel like that had something to do with you being so hard on yourself or? Um... Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, my, my mother was very, very sick for a very long time. Um, so we really didn't get a whole lot of time together. 
you know, cause there, there weren't a whole lot of great times to really remember. Um, so, you know, I, she was in a lot of pain for a long time. This is like one of those vulnerable things that I'm, mm-hmm. I don't mind to be open about it. Um, but when she passed, uh, I was guilt stricken, uh, because of the relief I felt, um, mm-hmm. at her passing. And it wasn't that I was, you know, happy. I was relieved that she was no longer in pain. And so everyone's weeping and crying and I just could not bring the tears. I couldn't. And as a 13 year old girl, you don't understand those kinds of emotions. Cause you're like, I should be sobbing uncontrollably. This should be the end of my world. And, um, at that time I was feeling just such a great lift, uh, off of my shoulders at a great overwhelming relief. Um, and I was felt so much guilt over that. I felt like just the worst. Um, mm. and so I was, um, I was very hard on myself and I did carry that for a lot of years till I identified that. Mm. Wow. How did you work through that then for someone who might be listening, who struggles with some mixed emotions about life? Maybe there's somebody who's listening who needs to hear how you worked through some of that. Um, <laughs> well, I do want to share. <laughs> I don't mind to share. Um, <laughs> I don't think I handled it the best at first. Um, I was very selfish. I, I will just admit that now. And I didn't realize that till I was much older. That was like, wow, I, I kind of had tunnel vision. I didn't see how this affected those around me. All I could see was how it was affecting myself. Um, you know, and I started to convince myself that, you know, nobody cared how I felt. Nobody cared about me. And, and I was buying into the lies, you know, of the enemy that, you know, I was alone in this and, and I wasn't it looking back. There were so many people who wanted to reach out and be a part. And we didn't have, I'm going to date myself here. We didn't have social media like we do now uh, at that time. I mean, I remember like the coolest thing we had was caller ID and, you know, and <laughs> dial up internet, you know? So, yeah. so like that was, that was one of those things, but I, I didn't handle it very well the first uh, year or so. Um, I was kind of uh, just going through that guilt-driven, uh, depressed, having that kind of thing. And so I, I, it wasn't till I was probably, um, I, I was about 15. It was before my father started, um, you know, uh, before my father married uh, my stepmom, which I don't call her stepmom. It's just a God thing that he worked this out. Um, you know, I, I, I won't say that I was, I was on the fence at that point. I was on the fence in my relationship with the Lord and it wasn't, um, I hadn't made a, a decision if I could put it that way. Um, I wasn't living right, but I wasn't making poor decisions <laughs> in the other mm-hmm. direction. Um, so I just remember that moment where it just clicked. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It just clicked. Uh, and I had to go one way or the other. And I chose uh, to go closer to the Lord. And it was like, God just spoke to my heart and said, I was on my back porch, 15 years old, just turned 15. And God said, Crystal, it's time to get serious you're either, you know, with me or you're not, and it's time to choose, you know, and I was like, oh my goodness, it's time to get serious, and 
uh, I did rededicated my heart to the Lord on my back porch at 15 years old. And I won't say that it was an easy thing after that, <laughs> but that was truly a turning point in my life. Um, you know, and that's when I started realizing that I embellished the truth a lot. And, you know, I was going, oh man, I'm really guilty. And that's where those stories became interesting because, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit would check me uh, when I was telling a story and I'd really go off on this wild tangent and it checked me and be like, you just told a big lie, you know, and I, I was like, I have to make this right. And so I'd be telling a story and I'd go, oh, sorry, that was a lie. But this is what really happened. <laughs> And people would look at me like I had lost my mind, but it became extremely entertaining to them. <laughs> Embarrassing for me, entertaining for them, but it really broke me of that habit. And But that was the turning point in my life. Uh, it was a major, major turning point. Wow. There's a lot of people who would feel very angry with God after losing uh, a parent that at that age, at any age, but really at that age. So was that something you struggled with in those couple of years when you were dealing with the guilt and, and all of that? I wouldn't say I was angry. Um, I felt like it was unfair. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, mother-daughter lunches at church for Mother's Day. Um, people who, I know this sounds bad, it used to irritate me. People would try to be my mom. You know, and I'm like, I didn't want a part of that. I want, I didn't want like, I didn't want pity. You know, I wanted, mm -hmm. it just wasn't fair, you know, and I try to feel sorry for myself. Um, but something that, you know, as I dug into the word uh, later on and just, um, I remember Romans 8.28, where it says that all things work for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And um, I will say at that point, things got easier. It was as I started falling in love with the Lord, everything started falling into place. Um, I didn't have to try, you know, <laughs> real hard to be perfect on the outside. Um, I just started getting in his word and learning more about Jesus. Um, and so that's what I, I like to tell people who, you know, they're not sure how, how this is going to work and it's too hard. And, and, uh, you know, I hear that a lot. I hear them say, it's too hard. This is too difficult. I can't do it. I'm just, I can't be good enough. And I hear that mm -hmm. so much and it's, we make it way more complicated than it is. You just ask mm -hmm. him and he, he comes and, you know, he comes into your life. You just ask him and he's there knocking on the door but all, all I can say is you just fall in love with him, work on loving him, and everything else will fall into place. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. You know, uh, I remember as a teenager feeling like I got to be good enough. I got to do, mm -hmm. you know, do it right. And I think that's a common struggle for a lot of, especially young women. Uh, you want to just, you know, you want to get it right. I, I always wanted to, like, be good enough, you know. Um, and it, it wasn't until... I hate to say this, but it probably wasn't until my my early 30s, and now I will date myself, um, where I really realized that it was just falling in love with the Lord, because out of that comes up the overflow of just wanting to be with Him, wanting to obey Him, you know, wanting to uh, do the things that He wants you to do. It's not, it, you can't do the other way first, because if you do, it becomes legalism, and it becomes this burden that you're carrying that no one can live up to. Right. 
so you've shared a few things that, and I know there's other things too. You've, you've had some struggles in life, Crystal. And I guess, um, along with everyone else, these past few months, I'm sure have been pretty crazy for you and, (laughs) um, being in ministry and everything else. So what keeps you lighthearted when everything feels so heavy? Ah, you said you were going to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, just resting in him. Um, that's, that's the biggest one is knowing that my rest and my peace is in him. He is my source and, uh, just trusting him. Uh, it's been a wild time for everyone. Um, even, even pastors and CEOs and small businesses and, um, just, there is no, uh, there was no handbook (laughs) on how to handle this. Um, but just, just his overwhelming peace, uh, and, and trusting him, he's taking care of our needs, uh, just in every little way we have each other, uh, our family. And that's, that's so important. It's, I've just determined that in this time of panic and chaos and sickness, um, I've decided to make it a time of rest for our family, a time of rest, a time of peace. In a practical sense, how do you do that? Because I think there's probably somebody listening who's going, I want that, but I just don't even know. I don't know how I, I, maybe I look in my book, you know, the scriptures and I, it feels like dry to me. I I just feel so alone. And then I go on social media and I feel overwhelmed. Um, Do you have any practical advice for somebody who might be in that place right now where they want what you're describing, but they just, they feel for whatever reason they can't have it? No, um, that's a really good question. I don't know that I have the perfect answer for that. Um, you know, for me, it was, it was a point of letting go, giving it to the Lord, just handing it to him and determining not to worry, not to stress about it. Um, you know, I have heard, I haven't counted for myself, but I heard that the Bible tells us be anxious for nothing and to not to worry at least 365 times. And for the Lord to say it that much in his word, uh, I think it's pretty important. If he's got one for every day of the year, that's a big deal. Um, so I think that the, the key is to work on letting that go, giving it to the Lord and letting him have control of the situation, just resting, knowing that Romans eight twenty eight is true, you know, love him. He's got, a, you know, he has the perfect plan for us. He, he is in control. If we, we just let him have that control. He's got amazing things for you. Mm-hmm. I love that. I guess something you did touch on that I think is an important component on having joy um, is gratitude. You mentioned being thankful for what you have. Um, Is that, and I know for me personally, um, my life really did start to change when I focused on counting my blessings, which sounds so simple, (laughs) but it was huge. Um, So is that something that you grew up doing or is it something you've learned as an adult? Uh, I think I grew up with that. Uh, you know, we never did without when I was a kid. Uh, my mom knew how to bargain shop. 
<laughs> so um, we never did without, but it was something that was really instilled in me early on was being thankful, appreciating um, everything. And, um, you know, it, and it doesn't come easy. Like as you get older, it's easy to forget those things that we should be grateful for. Uh, I saw a real clever thing uh, online, like a one of those, it's not a meme, it was like a little poster I saw online where it said, you know, what if you woke up tomorrow with only the things you thank God for today? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a big deal. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's like, I don't know that I would have enough time in the day to thank him for everything that he's given me that I just, you know, but it's something that was instilled early on and it's something that you have to practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know um, earlier, uh, I kind of touched on this, but are there any practical resources that you have found, not just now, but throughout your life journey um, in following the Lord or just having um, joy? Is there anything that you could suggest for somebody who might be listening who's just like, um, you know, I, I want what she's got? One of my favorite scriptures that I've come across was uh, Proverbs 4 and 18. And it says that the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. And it's not one that you hear a whole lot or that you see a whole lot or in motivational posters. But ever since I heard that scripture, um, it's really, um, it's just jumped out at me. I want to be like that. I want to be shining ever brighter the full light of day. I want to shine like the sun. I want people to see something different in me. What, where does that passion come from? Uh, what difference do you think Jesus has made in your life, Crystal, that you want to share him with the world? Oh, I don't know how to answer that question because it's, where do you start? Um, I have hope. I have hope. Um, and I know that everything that God has for me is so much bigger and so much better than I could ever dream for myself. Um, just knowing and trusting that he is in control and that he has he has everything under control. Um, that's major in my life. Um, you know, when I gave everything to him, that burden lifted off. You you just feel it. You feel so much lighter. You sleep so much better <laughs> because there is a change, um, spiritual and physical. There there is a change. Um, you know, I know that even after I rededicated my heart to the Lord, um, there were people that were acquaintances that they didn't even recognize me uh, mm-hmm. because of the change that God um, made in my life. Since the time that you rededicated your life to the Lord at 15, um, has there, have you ever gone through a season of doubt or um, one like questioning your faith since then? And if so, what did you do with that? Uh, actually I, I have, that's a hard thing for, for someone in ministry to admit, but when Mm -hmm. things get difficult and things got Mm -hmm. hard, that, that was a struggle for me. Um, it feels like I went through a season where there was financial struggle after financial struggle, after health struggle and financial struggle, heartbreak. Um, you know, I love church people, but sometimes (laughs) you'll break your heart because you love them so much. And, um, that's just part of ministry. Um, but you know, yeah, the adversary likes to whisper in my ear, you know, uh, see, you're not doing good enough job or, you know, God isn't looking out for you or, you know, but I have to quiet that. I have to say, 
be quiet. And I think a major part of that is seeing what God has done in my life, seeing time after time after time, he is faithful. He's faithful, unwavering. He is always there for me. So I think that, you know, if I were to turn away, it would be the biggest mistake of my life because he's not leaving me. He's never going to forsake me. He is there through everything. And, you know, you hear that song, he never promised that no. the cross would not get heavy. No, I ever heard that song. Oh, yeah. Um, Jason Crabb sings it and it's like, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy, um, you know, and that it would be easy. He never promised that it would be easy. Hmm. So I've got to understand this isn't like, I'm not signing up for a cush life. You know, mm -hmm. I, I signed up for this. When you think about all the struggles, there have been times the Lord checked me. There was a, a homeless man. This is, this is sound so terrible. <laughs> and a homeless man um, steal my cell phone. We, we gave him a place to stay and a meal and he stole my cell phone. And we'd had our car stolen. We had had, I mean, just all this stuff had happened to us. And it was so hard, so difficult. Put mm -hmm. us in a financial situation that we just weren't prepared for. And um, car stolen, car crashed, car, you know, they stole my cell phone. I had a homeless guy call me a blue-eyed devil. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't know but laugh. Because I was, I know it sounds terrible. I was like, oh my goodness, why did he say that to me? Um, but I remember all this stuff happening. And I said to myself, I did not sign up for this. Mm -hmm. And God checked me. He said, yes, you did. You signed up for this. You knew mm -hmm. what you were getting into. And, um, you know, I remember it says that they'll hate us for his namesake. It, it's there. It's not signing up for a life of luxury. You know, I mm -hmm. think about the, the apostles, the disciples and, and what they went through you know, and so uh, that's what I think about. That's what I go back to. If I ever feel any kind of doubt, um, if I, when I feel discouraged, when I feel like, is it worth it? Of course it's worth it. It's, a, mm. it's awesome. What God has for us, it can't compare to what the world has to offer or what anyone else can offer us. But what God has for us, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's interesting a few years ago, my son was doing Bible quizzing and I was helping him memorize the Beatitudes, him and my daughter. And it's funny because I thought I was helping him and now God has just repeated this line in my head over and over, you know, this thing that I've memorized. And it's, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad um, because in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, and I think that has helped me so much uh, throughout the last few years as I've been like, <laughs> like, what? The H-E double hockey sticks is going on in the world right now. <laughs> like, this is not a good time to be a Christian, <laughs> whatever it is. And it would be a lot easier to be, you know, something else right now. And um, especially with different social issues and all the different things, you know, sometimes it's just easier to be just go with the flow. And instead... Um, I'm just reminded of um, what Jesus did promise. In fact, last night I was, as I was falling asleep, I was listening to a podcast. Um, she said, you know, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And she goes, 
talk about promises. We want to talk about the promises of God. <laughs> that is a promise. You will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And um, I love that. I love that you're holding fast to Jesus. And I just want to say, I think that women in ministry need to speak out more about their doubts and their their struggles, because as you and I are both aware, there are so many people who are in ministry who are in these public places, these public platforms, who then out of the sheer blue seem to decide to abandon their faith. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine um, that they, if they had just been honest about the struggles that they felt or the doubt that they were wrestling with or, you know, had just per- pushed into um, those questions. Um, even John the Baptist, who spent his entire life dedicated to the Lord. I know I've talked about this on the pod- podcast before, you know, his whole life was in ministry. And when Jesus was still on the earth and he was in prison, he had doubt and he had questions. And he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the one who was to come or should we expect somebody else? This is after he baptized him. And what happens? Jesus, you know, he he doesn't put him down for those questions. He doesn't put him down for those doubts. He reminds everyone or he reminds John of who he is. And then he tells everyone how great John is, which is all beautiful. Um, and then, you know, we know the rest of the story, which is John the Baptist dies when Jesus is still on the earth. And I just think we have to, as believers, um, have an eternal perspective because this world will be hard. Um, we will go through hard times, but we can take heart because he has overcome the world and because the fruit of the spirit abiding in him, like you're talking about, it's something that nothing in this world offers. Um, and it includes joy and we can have joy in resting in his eternal promises, which leads me to my last question, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are all gifts that we can find in Christ Jesus. I'm sure there's lots more, but it's a great acronym for something real. So of those gifts, restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love, which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Hmm. Those are all really good ones. (laughs) (laughs) They all stand out. Um, you know, I wanted to say love, but I also think about restoration. That's a big one. Um, you know, I think for me, just a lot of what I I stand for, you know, being so awkward and, you know, just accepting that. <laughs> but uh, knowing that he restores. Um, you know, I've gone through a rough, I've had a rough childhood. I had a rough life. It wasn't bad. Um, and it wasn't all bad. It, it just, um, and I think we all have a story to tell. We've all been through things. That um, I think the thing that stands out the most to me in that is the restoration. God has restored so much to me that the enemy has tried to take and tried to break. And, you know, just he's restored that joy and that love and the peace and the rest. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't have all of those things all the time that peace and rest and joy. Um, it's really, it's something I have to practice and get back to um, when things go, don't go my way. Nobody likes it when things don't go their way, but the fact that he restores me, you know, when I'm so tired, when I'm so just 
sick and tired of being sick and tired, he restores me. I go in that quiet place with him and he restores me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, Crystal, um, I know that uh, you're embracing the awkward, but I think you're fantastic. I really do. Aww. I wish you lived closer <laughs> because I think we'd be friends. <laughs> Uh, but we can be friends from far away. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm thankful for you and your ministry and your husband and um, just even the fun things that you share on Facebook. And um, I'll check out your blog, Awkward Pastor's Wife. Uh, it's awkwardpastorswife.blogspot.com. I'll okay. share it with you. <laughs> awesome. I'll I'll share that link in the show notes and. Anyway, thank you for taking the time and until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.